0: As a kid, if I was asked, who is your favorite superhero? What do is, what is some of y'all think I would say to that question? How would I respond to that question? You don't have to say it out loud. This isn't group, group time, but most of you know I would respond to the question, who is your favorite superhero, to by saying, Dale Earnhardt. Because as a kid, he was larger in life to me, the Intimidator. He drove the black number three, seven-time cup champion. Even at one point in a Sunday school class, we were, all, the, all the kids were asked to, to color a Christmas stocking, our favorite color, and I colored mine black. And my Sunday school teacher found my mom after, and she said, do you know your son colored a Christmas stocking black? And she said, yeah, that's his favorite color. He really likes Dale Earnhardt. But I was never into kind of cartoonish superheroes. And Dale Earnhardt kind of reminded me of my dad. Uh, They dressed a lot alike. I thought of Dale Earnhardt. That's my dad, except he's probably got superpowers, the way he drives a race car. They dressed identical. My dad race cars, but was also a welder. He wore Wranglers and cowboy boots every day to work. And, and that's just the way I thought about a uh, superhero, what that looked like. And so this was my superhero, Dale Earnhardt. And most of us have asked that question. When we respond, we, we respond with superheroes who, who they all have sort of characteristics or human, uh, human side to them. When we think about our superheroes, when we think about the Avengers, when we think about Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, we, we respond to those characters in, in, in fascination and admiration. And because inside of us, we long to be like them and yet the qualities that, that kind of appeal to us are the qualities where they are most like us, where, where we, can, we can find a bridge to this is a, this is a real person, but behind the scenes, they have these superpowers. And that is the reason in the Bible that shepherds become front and center when it comes to the Christmas story because the story of the Bible centers around shepherds being the superheroes. They were the closest thing to cowboys in the Bible. And and constantly the Bible is talking about God as a shepherd and that we need God to be our hero shepherd who's going to protect us and take care of us. They were the world's first John Waynes, Avengers, Bravehearts, Jason Bournes. They were the superheroes. They were the heroes of the Bible. Men who fought off wild animals and smashed the teeth of lions. Who who folks were to look to as protectors, those who watched over those that were given their charge. And we get to Luke chapter 2. We see at center stage shepherds. And we see a picture that is to remind us of a shepherd in the Old Testament named David. David was the closest thing to to Clark Kent. He, He was a little shepherd boy who was the least of all of his brothers. And yet God picked him to defeat this giant that was warring against God's people. And he defeated him with a slingshot. But we know it was more than that. He was anointed by God to be king, to be a shepherd king, to be God's warrior. And so as we come to our passage today, we see similarities. And it takes us back to this Old Testament theme of shepherding and the shepherd boy, David. Notice verse eight, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field In the same region, Luke has talked about the birth of Jesus. Mary and Joseph, they had to go to Bethlehem. And that is where Jesus is born. And as that story is unfolding, he takes us out into the field, out into the middle of nowhere. And there are shepherds. There are the cowboys. There are the heroes that nobody sees. Nobody knows. They're not in the middle of the city. They are simply doing their job on Christmas night. They are taking care of sheep. Notice keeping watch. They are guarding. They are protecting their flock, probably with torches and rods and swords, defending off prey. And notice it's at night. And then all of a sudden, verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now we talk about this often. Angels were not precious moment figurines they were creaturely, they were massive, they were scary. They guarded the presence and glory of God in heaven. And here we we see the angels, the messengers from heaven. We might even say the shepherds from heaven show up in this story. But here an angel of the Lord appeared to them and then notice, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. This word glory means weight or authority. And it, 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 it communicates to us that when this person shows up, he has the most authority. He has the most weight. But notice it says the glory of the Lord shone around them. And so the one with the most glory, God himself, the most authority, he shows up, but there's also light in his presence. Heaven is signaling here that the the one person in all of the universe, in all of the cosmos, who has all of the weight, who has all of the authority, has shown up. He's there. He's present. And notice what happens to the shepherds. They are filled with great fear, mega fear. It's the kind of fear that you feel when someone who has more authority is in your presence. When someone who has more power than you, when someone who is maybe superior to you shows up. And here is the greatest, most highest power in all of the world. God himself decides, as this angel is about to speak, to show his presence, to show his glory to the shepherds out in the field. And they are scared to death. Now, we never read or see movies where the superhero is all of a sudden cowering in fear. Scared to death. Running from the battle. Giving up on the task at hand. We never see that in the stories where we have superheroes. And yet, that's exactly what's going on here. Why? These men who are warriors, these men who are the heroes out on the countryside, they are scared to death in the middle of the night. God's glory, God's power shows up, and there is this wraith like creature, this angel before them. And notice what the angel says, verse 10. Fear not. Now, this is a common theme throughout the Bible. When you are scared, specifically scared of God, and those who rightly fear Him, the command comes in right after that, stop being scared. It's used 365 times in the Bible. Do not fear. As they are shaking in their boots, do not fear, or sandals, as they are shaking, do not be scared. Why? I bring you good news of great joy, mega joy there again. And so we have the glory of God in their presence and they are scared to death. And yet the angel says, no, 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 I have a message for you as you tremble, as you feel the weight of God before you. As heaven breaks in and you have every right to be scared, do not be scared because this glory has come for your joy. And notice it is for all people, nations, Gentiles, those in the city, those in the country, those in the suburbs, those in the great gated communities, even for shepherds like you out in the middle of nowhere. Now, I want you to notice something real quick here. Notice this, the way the, the pattern of fear because there is something greater than you to stop fearing because there is something greater than you. This is the cycle of fear that runs throughout the Bible. You should fear God, but you should also stop fearing God who's greater than you by trusting him. And notice it is for your joy. This pattern of fear that runs throughout the Bible. Fear God, He's greater than you, but stop fearing God because he's greater than you and he's for your good. And this is the message for the shepherds and for us. Notice verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior in Bethlehem, David's hometown, who is Christ the Lord, who is the Messiah, who is the king who will come and and deliver on all of God's promises And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so these shepherds out in the middle of nowhere, you're calling us to see your king who has been delivered, God's king, this angel who's delivering this message. You're calling us to to see and believe that God's king has come to earth. Where will he be? Will he be on a throne? Is, Is he marching into Jerusalem right now? No, he's a little baby in a barn, laying in a feed trough, doing what all babies do. He's swaddled by his mother, taking care of him, but he's laying in a manger. This will be the sign. What a sign. God, you have sent your king to earth. How are we going to find him? He's in a barn. He's in a wooden feed trough that cows... Have slobbered on for years. It's just coated with their slobber and he's laying there. That's how you're gonna know God's king has come to earth. To the least likely of people out in the middle of nowhere, shepherds, in the least likely of places, a barn. But this is all a part of the promise. This is all a part of what God has said. There is a king who has come who will be like David. And what was David? He was a shepherd. He's going to be a hero like David, who is a shepherd. Verse 13. And suddenly there was was with the angel a multitude, hundreds and thousands of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. And so as this angel is talking, delivering this promise, all of the sudden heaven breaks in. We, we sometimes see this picture and we, we envision maybe five or six more angels there. All of the sudden, hundreds and thousands of angelic beasts are present and they are screaming to God, glory to God in the highest. The, the, the window, the curtain is opened up to heaven, and, and the shepherds are able to see what is going on behind the veil of this world. And all the angelic hosts are worshiping God hundreds and thousands of angels in surround sound. They probably had to close their ears. They probably tried to press their face through the dirt on the ground. It would have been too much for them to take in. But notice their message is the gospel. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. First of all, they declare that God is the highest authority, the highest glory, The highest power. And because of that, peace has come to earth. The war between us and and the, the one with the most glory. Because of our sin, we are at war with him. That war is over. There is peace. But notice how the verse ends. With whom he is pleased. And this means who he shows grace. It doesn't mean we've done anything to please him. It means those whom he shows grace to. And is pleased to grace. They can have peace with the most glorious, most highest being in all of the world. Again, we see this cycle. Fear, tremble. There's one present who has more authority than you. But you can have peace with him and not fear because he has more authority than you. And yet he's bringing you grace and peace. Notice as the text continues. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Their first response is, we have to see it. God's king is present on earth in the form of a baby. Let's go. And with haste, notice verse 16, they began to look for this Mary and Joseph and this baby, and they are led to the manger. In verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Can you imagine them walking around looking for the baby? Okay, so why are you looking for a baby? Well, it's God's king has come to earth. God's shepherd king is here in flesh and blood. Oh, is it time to overthrow the Romans? No, we're looking for a baby. We're, we're looking for a child that has been born. And people are confused. They have no idea. These crazy weirdos. But they are the first evangelists. The message from heaven has come to them. And they began to declare this message. Notice verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And here we, we see Mary again. The one whom the Holy Spirit overshadowed her womb, set her womb apart to put her Savior there so that he would be a child, a sinless man, and as God would be able to die as a sinless sacrifice for us. And here she is, this mother with her newborn child. And these shepherds are declaring this message from heaven, and she is treasuring it, pondering it, thinking upon it. While everyone else around her is going... Crazy, notice verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. And then we see in verse 21: just as the angel had told Mary and Joseph, they have Jesus circumcised, and they name him Jesus, the Savior. He is the he is born a man, and as we talked about last week, born under the law to live perfectly for us and die as a perfect sacrifice. What an amazing story. God brings his message to the least likely of people out in the middle of nowhere doing their job. Be like going to third shift at Okanite and announcing God is here in the person of a baby. Jesus the Christ. Come see him. And the shepherds have responded And so how do we apply this on Christmas Day? First of all, like the shepherds, we must hear the message. Now, remember what the message is, that there is joy found in understanding that there is a power greater than you, a power that you should fear, and actually because of your sin, a power that could destroy you. And yet that power and that glory has come to earth to save you. That's the good news. Is that the power that you should be scared to death of has come to rescue you? The the good news that undeserving sinners who are at war with God can have peace with God, and there is joy there because of the cross of Christ, where He endures the war, He endures the wrath for you, and you can have peace with Him. You see, the reason we don't have joy, we don't live in joy, is because we are so often found fearing something other than God. When you think about your, the worst problem you have right now, and right now, if we just said, let's stop, let's pretend we're not at church, and you go back to worrying about something you're going to worry about when we leave today. What is that? What is that you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to be anxious about? And think about how, how that uncovers your fear. For some of us, it's fear of finances and what that looks like. It's fear of the future. It's fear of health. It's fear of war. It's fear of things that can happen out there that we have no control over. And we fear that more than we fear God. The shepherds are brought to their knees in fear of God because he's present to say, the one you should fear is here. Tremble. But none of these things are bigger and badder than your creator. And none of your problems are greater than your sin against him. These things that you fear, that you worry about, they can't destroy you and send you to hell. And so you should not fear those things first and foremost. You should fear God. But the good news, if you're in Christ and you believe in Christ, God is for you. So fear God first and foremost and trust the one who has authority to destroy you has come to rescue you. So hear the message today on this Christmas morning. What is most important in your life, what you should fear the most, what you should think the most about today is God and tremble, but know he is for your good. Second, we hear the message and then we come see God's glory in flesh One of the great blessings we have today is we have a completed word. We have Genesis to Revelation, which means you have more of the story than the shepherds told or the shepherds heard out in the field from the angels. You have more of a message than they have. You have the completed word of God, Genesis to Revelation, that centers on this one who has taken on flesh and lived a perfect life for you and died in your place and has been raised from the dead. You know the whole story that he's going to rule and reign forever. And so come to the word of God today and see this glory. See this glory today. The power and authority in flesh that Paul says that we have seen in the face of Jesus Christ There is a glory that took on flesh and blood and had eyebrows and fingernails that had to be swaddled and nursed in a barn that had to be taught how to read the Bible that he inspired. There is a glory in flesh that probably played with shepherd action figures. There is a glory in flesh that went to breakfast and went to weddings. There is a glory in flesh that was tempted and and the writer of Hebrews says was tested in every way that you have ever been. He's felt pain. He's felt suffering. He's felt the world that you live in. There is a glory that the Bible is calling you to see. God's glory in flesh that was ultimately nailed to a cross for your sin and is back from the dead as a former corpse. See it. That is the most earth shattering reality that you can embrace today. And then tell. So we hear, we see, and then we tell. Notice in this passage the heroes are those who worship and witness. Throughout, it's just kind of mixed there. They're glorifying God. They're praising God. The story begins where they fall on their face in fear of God. They recognize God as great. He is the one who has the most worth and authority and glory. They see what the the angels in heaven see. They feel it in their being that God is the one who rules over heaven. And they worship throughout this whole story. But notice as they are worshiping, what are they doing? They're running and telling. They can't keep quiet. This is this probably a, something they were initially embarrassed of. When we get to the city, why do we tell people we're here? Oh, the Messiah's here. The Messiah's here. Oh, yeah, right. The Messiah's here. That's why we're here. The Messiah, everybody, the Messiah's here. People thought they were weirdos and crazy, but they had felt and experienced and heard of the glory of God, so they could not be quiet about it. They did not have to be coerced to share the gospel. They heard it. They saw it. They felt it. They talked about it. When we think about fear, we think about worry, we think about anxiety. We fear our problems more than we fear God, but another problem we have when we're anxious is, is we fear that we have no purpose in life. And, and both of those two fears are treated by worship. You make God great. You fear him more than anything, your problems. So that quells your worry. Also, when you're worshiping God and you see Him as the most glorious, you want to tell others about Him, and that becomes your purpose in life. And so you are fixated on that, and all of that nervous energy and wasted energy, where you're like, Who am I? What do I? It is focused on declaring the worth of God. And we see that with the shepherds here. They worship, and so their fear and their purpose is harnessed. But overall, we see these. Roughneck cowboys on the outskirts of town, amidst dung of cattle, sleeping on rocks, they become the first missionaries. Their worship overflows into witness. And as we close today, I want you to consider in your life who are your heroes? If someone asks you today, who are your heroes? How would you respond to that question? Maybe ask another way. Who's, who, meet, who has meant the most to you in your life? Who's had the greatest impact on your life? If you had to look back and say, it's that person, it's those people. I would dare say they're not the athletes or celebrities. They're probably Sunday school teachers. They're probably grandparents who read the Christmas story to you every day on Christmas every year on Christmas. They're probably campus ministers who love Jesus and told you about Jesus and just invested in your life. They're probably like shepherds out in the middle of nowhere who no one had heard of, just doing their job. And the point of the story is shepherds take center stage here to remind us that the most heroic things you can do in this world is worship and witness worship and witness and those who admit the most to us are those who just loved Jesus and showed up and worshipped him and made him the great in their lives and they risked ridicule and they risked comfort and safety to make sure others heard about Jesus accountants, moms, teachers, professors engineers, coaches, electricians, plumbers firemen, policemen they hear, see and tell And they're just like us. I dare say your heroes are more like Dale Earnhardt than Superman. No, even more, they're probably more like you and I than even the Intimidator.